Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. Chapter 49 of NTEU represents most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. It's our weekly podcast, and uh, once again, as always, our chapter president, Duncan Giles, is with us. Duncan, welcome once again. Good to be here, Larry. Physically, mentally, we'll have to see by the end of the podcast. Well, we, <laughs> fortunately, we have a very good guest we're going to introduce right now, uh, Kata Sibenga, is the legislative uh, per point person, I guess you'd call it, legislative coordinator, legislative person at NTU's national office in Washington. And obviously for any federal employee, uh, what happens in Congress is of great importance. And I think uh, I can say uh, for myself, having been involved in legislative affairs in the past with NTEU and uh, being on Capitol Hill talking to people that uh, NTEU has a reputation for having one of the best legislative operations. So, uh, Kata Sabenga, thank you very much uh, for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, you, as many people, are working from home. Duncan's in his office downtown. I am from my home, so we're nicely separated uh, in uh, an Indy suburb, downtown Indy, and Washington, D.C. area. So we're all very well uh, separated today. So, so Kata, let me start this out. Um, just give us an idea where you came from. What were you doing before uh, you took the job uh, with the Legislative Department uh, at NTEU in Washington? Sure, absolutely. So I've been with NTU almost, well, we're going on two years now, but not quite there. Um, and before that, I worked for uh, 15 years in the United States Senate uh, for a number of different senators, um, starting with Senator Carl Levin from Michigan, uh, who was uh, my first boss on the Hill. And he I worked for him for the first six years I was there. And then I switched over and started working for the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. And there I worked for a number of different members. Um, when you work for the committee, you usually work for the chair or ranking member. So whichever um, you know side of the aisle you're working for, you work for that, uh, the leader for that. Um, for them, I worked for the Democratic side. I worked for um, Senator Kako from Hawaii. I worked for uh, Senator Carper from Delaware, Senator McCaskill from Missouri, and uh, for a few short while for the current uh, ranking member, Peters from Michigan, uh, but only for about a month until I took the job with NTU. So um, I've, I've really enjoyed being with NTU. It's been a good place to land. And I, I you mentioned the reputation NTU's legislative department has. I came in knowing it from the other side. It's part of why I was excited to, to come in and take the job. Yeah, you know, I see uh, Senator McCaskill. She's kind of gotten, even though she lost her election in Missouri, she's uh, started a new career as a TV commentator. Absolutely. she She's quite happy with it. <laughs> yeah, she seems to be enjoying it. So maybe it was uh, it was an interesting uh, change of profession for her. So, Duncan Giles, I'll give you the next question. Yeah, kind of, can you explain a little bit on what the NTU Legislation Department does? What are you out there doing and talking to the uh, members and staffers about? Sure, sure. Let's, um, we have a staff of about 10. Um, the department uh, has two kind of sides and the one we'll focus on today is the legislative, but we also do have political in our department. Um, we, have, um, we have six of us who are officially registered lobbyists and we go up to the Hill and argue and push and work with our friends and do everything we can to uh, to 
to try to get Congress to do what's best for federal employees. Um, and that's the bottom line of the job. What that looks like uh, is a lot of um, following things and reading things and and on the day-to-day, we were talking to people on the Hill to make sure we know what's going on um, so we can be informed and, and make the best choices and stra- come up with some strategies on how to get something done that we're trying to get done. Um, and we have a really great team. They've been, a lot of them have been with NTU a very long time. Um, and we, I, I mean, I've been really excited to work with all of them. They, they have a ton of experience. They know a lot of people and they know how to get things done. So... That's, that's the basic side of what we do. How we do it, we go, go up ourselves, talk to the Hill. Um, we also, right now, that's mostly on phone and Zoom, of course. Um, we also, though, work to make sure that we get all the members um, informed about what's going on. And then we also try to get members connected with their congressional um, representatives to let them tell their stories, tell Congress what they need from them, because really that's who Congress wants to hear from. I mean, we, we know the people up there, we talk to them, but in the end, the bottom line is if they're hearing from their constituents that they want, their constituents want something, they're more likely to do it. So we're, that's why we have our legislative conference. That's why we have our legislative action center on our website to try to connect the members, the constituents with their representatives to help make sure that they know what do you need in your agency and how can they help? You know, and it's, and it's really difficult to connect on that legislative action center on the website. It it takes all of, you know, somewhere between thirty to sixty seconds. It's a horrible time thing, <laughs> to commitment to do to let your member of Congress know the important issues that are important to your pocketbook as as our members out there need to know. Absolutely, we try to make it as easy as possible. We put. Um, we have, you know, letters that are already written. You can add to them if you have more to say. Um, but the the bulk of the of the letters already there, and you just put in your information. Once you put it in once, it's even faster because it'll it'll remember you. Um, and and it, we try to make it as easy as possible to make sure your members are hearing from you. Yes, I have to commend you for uh, putting a really nice uh, user-friendly situation up there. If you want to contact your members of Congress, your member of Congress and your two senators, very, very easy way to to get that done. You know, just as a quick aside, I I have been to several legislative conferences, and and you'll appreciate this. I remember talking to a staffer in uh, one of the House offices who had been a lower-level staffer in the Senate. He thought he was getting a promotion and uh, he was. He was getting paid more. But then he saw the difference between the size of the Senate and the House offices. It was, uh, <laughs> he said he had this cramped little space in the Senate. He was a lower level staffer and had all this, this space. There is a, a big uh, difference between the House and the Senate as to how much, uh, how much room you have to work with. But I want to ask oh, you about, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, absolutely, because there's 435 of them spread across all those buildings. There's, they're, they're much more crammed in, and uh, their staffs are a lot smaller. <laughs> and that brings me to what I was going to ask, because uh, having been at the legislative conference, one thing that uh, uh, the legislative department always asked us to do, and, and just so people know, there are I think there are literally, I, thought, I was going to say hundreds. Are there actually thousands of people that show up? It's a huge number of people all throughout the country. Yeah, come. I think we have had close to 400 most of the Okay, time. so it's in the hundreds, but it, yeah. it seems bigger than that. 
because uh, people come from all over to go lobby their own uh, local members of Congress and their senators. And one thing you always asked us to do as, as we went out and, and talked to, to these, mostly you're talking to staff every now and then you get an elected official, if they're in there, they'll tell you but, or talk to you. But the one thing I found interesting was you always wanted us to give you notes on what the staff or the member of Congress or Senate told us. Because one of your staff members said, well, you know, they sometimes they tell you one thing and they tell us something else, us being the NTEU legislative staff. So they'll commit to their own constituents, but when they talk to you folks, it's like, well, no, that's not exactly what we said. Well, you've got a document. Well, you told our our members who came to, to visit you from your state that they, they said this or that. So uh, I really do think that, and then my point here, and I want you to talk about this, just how important it is for these elected officials. We're from Indiana. We have two senators. You've got a member of Congress. No matter what party they're from, they all read their mail, and they all pay attention to what their uh, constituents have to say. Talk about the importance uh, and how you get backed up in your work by what happens uh, what, from people who are members of NTU, their families, people who, who choose to contact their senators and members of Congress, and just how important it is that these people hear from people working at IRS. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is. The, the members of Congress are elected by their constituents. They need to keep their constituents happy, right? So this is, you know, there's there's a lot of sausage making and, and you know, things about DC that people don't always like. But when it comes down to it, a lot of what happens is making sure that, you know, members want to know, members of Congress, want to know what their constituents want them to do. And if they're hearing enough from their constituents on an issue, they're much more likely to at least look into it, to at least be aware of the problem, to, so that even if um, you know they haven't done anything yet, when we come to them and say, "Hey, this is a problem," they're like, "You know what? We've been hearing about that," and that's really important. Both, and it can happen both ways, right? Where we can come in and tell them about something, and then they start hearing from people that this is a real problem. It just helps encourage them to 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 make a move, to do something about it. There's a lot of issues they're always dealing with and to help them weed through that and know what's matters to their constituents. Um, out of how they do that is, are they hearing from them? Are there numbers of people bringing the same issue up? That's part of like, go, I mean, this goes back to the action center. That's why we try to make it as easy to do as possible, right? Because if you can't do this easily, it's not easy. We all are busy. We're trying to do this as easy as that is it's hard to remember to do it sometimes. So we're trying, we try to keep it as, as easy as possible for folks to reach out. And I think a lot of people who do realize, you know, once they do it once or twice, they realize how it isn't that hard. And those that come to legislative conference, you know, they, you know, it, it seems a little intimidating sometimes the first few times you come down here, but you do, you get these staff members or even members of Congress and they want to sit there and listen to you and understand what's going on there. And it really does help them understand on a personal level, the issues that we might bring them from MTU National on a you know broader level that they're not hearing those personal stories. So I think there's so many ways these things work together, um, what we can do as, as NTU's legislative department, but then also the you know the members backing up those things and saying, no, this really is an issue and we think you need to do something about it. And I'm from your state or I'm from your district. And I'm going to hold you accountable for this. Duncan, I'll bring you back in. 
Yeah, my next question. Now we're going to start getting into some of the fun topics. One of the things that I have a great fear of at this point, we got the CR sign. Of course, you know, we had plenty of time to do it. It was widely bipartisan, and we still shut the government down for a very short time overnight. It was minuscule, but it was still that. I'm Yeah, exactly. I'm very concerned about what's going to happen after December 11th, because I just don't think that Congress is going to be able to, I, I don't even think they're going to, I, I'm not even talking about passing the, you know, the Senate passing the appropriations bill. I'm concerned about an omnibus being able to do that and possible repercussions from lame duck folks who may not be too amenable to signing anything. Uh, what What's your take and what's the staff's take on what might happen uh, in the intervening time and possibly after December 11th or after? Well, I mean, I think you're right to be nervous about it. We've seen, you know, it used to be that we could count on kind of norms and and those, the constituent pressure, like we were talking about a minute ago and other factors to dissuade Congress from, from uh, members of Congress from letting government funding elapse and letting the government shut down. We've seen that that's, you know, there are people willing to let that happen. Um, but, you know, we, we, so we keep pushing, we keep working on it. There are a number of different options of how this could work out. As you mentioned, the current CR goes till December 11th. Um, one of the other options is that they kick the can down the road a little more because they need a little more time to get it done. That could be mean that it's a sh- short-term CR till then, you know, a few weeks later, um, or, uh, it could mean a longer term CR that goes into the next year or even covers the whole of um, FY21. Those aren't ideal situations, but at least they're not shutdowns. So, you know, those are possibilities. And then of course, I would guess more likely if we're gonna see full year funding that's not a continuing resolution, it's gonna either be an omnibus or a couple smaller, what they've started coining mini buses. Um, And I think we will, will, I think it's hard to know exactly how this will play out until after the election, there are a lot of right. things that could change, right? I mean, we're right. we're looking at. I don't think anyone's even thinking about it until after the election. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, and that's what concerned me. It was like, yeah, because I was having people come to Muska, and you know, because I was saying, well, we're you know, we're still working. What there's a possible shutdown because it gets lost in the noise, yeah. and so yeah, I, I'm. That's what I'm worried about. It's like, okay, we're not even going to think about this until after the election, and then. Are certain parties going to be so upset that they don't even want to deal with it at all? And where's that going to leave us? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that there is not a lot of appetite for a shutdown um, on the Hill. I don't think most people think that that worked well for anybody. Um, and I think that they want to try to get it done. Um, I think that, the, you know, there are some wild cards. And I think we, I mean, we're watching those. We're pushing um Congress to do what they need to do. I think, I mean, the, the House has passed 10 of the 12 appropriations bills already for next year or for this current year now that we're into October. So we're, but the Senate has moved on nothing. Right. So, you know, it, it'll, they'd have a long way to go to get it done, uh, a full year funding bill, um, whether it's all together or separate, they're going to, they're going to have a lot of work to do to get it done by December 11th. So I think there's reasons to be watching it. Um, uh, but I hope that we don't have reason to be too concerned. Um, and I'm, that's going to be my new term, wild cards. We have some wild cards. <laughs> that's a lot nicer than the terms I've been thinking. Well, yeah. 
Speaking of terms, uh, speaking of terms, Kata, I mean, only in Congress could you uh, come up with a minibus out of an omnibus. <laughs> I mean, that's just, uh, I, I always found the, uh, the terminology very interesting up on the Hill. And you had to, if you go to a legislative conference, you do kind of have to know that because that's how the staffers talk. And you, and you need to know what their, their language is like. And uh, that's one of the things about Washington, D.C. And, and the federal government generally, I think that's interesting is you each are in your little pockets and know your terminology. I know that um, for me, as I, you know, with IRS, I've learned more about that, obviously, specifically once I came to NTU. And there's a lot, you guys have a lot of uh, acronyms and what? No, no, we don't know any at all. When I, 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 uh, I, I'm still sometimes trying to remember what we're talking about. So. I, I started at IRS in 1983, retired in 2011. I was still learning acronyms in 2011. So that, that uh, gives you an idea right there when I retired. Uh, I, let's see. I, I do want to ask about the issue of the pay raise because it's 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 the Congress the Senate and the House and the president. They have to work together in a certain way. Uh, president sometimes will propose a raise, sometimes will not. Congress has the final say, and the president either signs it or doesn't in the end. It's looking like a 1% pay raise, I guess, for the year that we're in, which you know tends to be in the calendar year when we get the pay raise now. I'm old enough to remember when we got the pay raises October 1st, but that goes way back. So my question to you is uh, just kind of give us a lay of the land on, on the pay raise we may or may not expect in January. So you're right. 1% is the most likely. 1% is what um, what was in the president's budget. It's what he put out in his um, pay letter that he has to put out every year that, that kind of um, solidifies that that's what the raise is going to be unless Congress acts. So Congress so far has not passed anything that would change that. Um, like I said, they've usually this is part of appropriations, so it's part it's wrapped up in that same thing we were just talking about with the congressional with the continuing resolutions or an omnibus or minibus or any of those. Um, so we're we've been working with um, our allies on the Hill. We've been talking with them a lot about this. I think there is an appetite to maybe do a little more than that. If um, but I think some of that is really going to depend on what happens um, November third. I think um, what we've been arguing uh, is that the military is set to receive a 3% pay raise. And we've been, we, one of our strong arguments has been over the years that there should be parity with the military. Um, so we're urging Congress to at least ensure that going forward. And, um, and that will be part of all those discussions around the, the funding for the year. Um, yeah. I, I think uh, it will, the 1%, should happen um, at the beginning of the year um, unless something changes. Or there's a delay, as you mentioned. Uh, well, the 1% doesn't need Congress to pass it. Um, it's only if they want to change that. Okay, so that's baked in either way at this point. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think that, um, you know, we've, we've never, we haven't seen it change um, from the president at the, that this point. Um, so we, we did, you know, that's not expected. I think, you know, we've seen some unexpected things over the last few years. So I don't want to say without a doubt, absolutely. Uh, um, yes, yes, yes. Oh my goodness. So well, I, I'm yeah. going to, I'll leave that at that, but I do think, um, but, but it should be, you know, in a normal situation, once the president has released his letter, 
he still has to put out the pay rate scales, um, like the actual GS scales and, and the different locality, you know, and all of that, what the new rates will be. Um, but with that 1%, officially that has to come out before the end of the year. Um, so we, sh- but we, we should expect to see that unless Congress acts to do something different. I'd ask another question. Uh, I don't want, we were, Duncan and I are very careful not to delve into politics because, uh, we want people to be able to listen to this podcast while they're working. So we want to keep it that way. But I have a question that I think is legislative in nature. Uh, when the election is over, and that would be any election, you're going to have new members of Congress. It varies as to how many because there are always retirements. So you get a, you get a new crop of, of elected officials, some in the Senate, usually a number in the House. My question to you is when there is a new member of Congress from either party, because NTU has always said, we'll take friends in whatever political party you happen to belong to. But the question I have for you is how do you and your staff uh, try to build a relationship with a new member of Congress just just entering Capitol Hill? So we've started some of that already in in that we talk to folks when they're candidates and try to get their positions on the issues to understand where they are on it, right? Um, so we've done some of that um, in that case. Um, I won't, uh, but really once folks are elected, we make a really concerted effort to get up there and talk to each new member and make sure they're educated on our issues. Um, we also make a point of, you know, our legislative Congress is usually in March. These folks, people will get sworn in in January. So they haven't been there that long. And we try to make sure that constituents visit, um, especially those new members, and let them know about NTU's issues and what NTU is, who we represent, um, and what's going on at your agencies. So uh, it's kind of a multi, multi-layered multi thing. Um, some of these folks come in and they know us already, because either because we've met them as candidates or because they're, um, they're just aware of of federal employee issues. We have some members of Congress who've been federal employees, right? So so some of it is, it depends a lot on how green the person is um, and how much they already have that background um, is how much time we need to spend with them. But we do make a point of seeing all the new ones pretty quickly when they get to Washington. Let me uh, bring Duncan Giles back in. Yeah, I, you know, we're starting to hear now some members of Congress uh, and I'm sure NTU's, uh, your department's been pushing on this about user lose, extending user lose past the end of the year. I, you know, I'd love to see it, but as I tell people right now, Congress can't agree on what day of the week it is. I would not count on, uh, you know, them passing something before the end of the year. If you have user lose, like I'm one of those folks, I would plan on using it before the end of the year because you're, I don't have any great hopes about carrying over more than 240 hours and would like to get your thoughts on that. Sure. And I think you're right to be, be skeptical that they can get something done, but there has been some action on it. So the um, house passed national defense authorization act, which is one of the bills, um, you know, you guys have been around a while, you may know this, but it's one of the bills Congress does actually pass every year um, because they need to authorize funding for the military but because of that, it gets a lot of other things put into it. So this year, one of the things that passed as part of the House bill is uh, was an amendment by um, Representative Wexton from Virginia that would have helped would help carry over help people carry over some leave. Um, it is 
it, it is not everybody that would be able to take advantage of it, but it's more than what uh, OPM has said as far as how many people they're going to let carry over any leave. Um, but there is a better version that really would cover most people being able to carry over any use or lose leave they have that was just introduced by Senator Hirono in the Senate and, and by Representatives Kilmer and Wexton in the House that, um, that would would really be um, really helpful for folks. It would basically say anything you lose at the end of this year after passage of the bill um, because of this pandemic, um, would you would not lose it, basically, anything you would have lost. Um, so they are pushing for that to be included if there were another COVID bill. I, you know, that can be another conversation. Um, but, <laughs> but the, uh, but, but, you know, I think it's possible it gets, it gets into that defense bill um, because people are not able to take time. I mean, even if you, you know, you've mentioned saying trying to take it if you can, but some people just can't, they have, you know, different reasons, whether that's because of your job, not being, not really letting you take it for some reason, or, or, um, or at least not, you know, at this point being able to take more or because you just really can't go anywhere and you can't right. really take the time off. Um, you know, you're, you're adhering to stay at home orders or, or quarantining or whatever it is. And you're working from home and you're, you're, you're ha happy to do that, but you're not taking the time that you normally would have taken. So that's been our, what we've been pushing for. I think, I think it's not, it's not a slam dunk. It's not probable, but I think it's possible and we'll keep pushing and trying to get it done. Yeah. My, my advice has always been, and, and you have to be a little careful. We try to be careful as chapter communicating this to our members you know, you may see something on the internet about this bill that will change the amount of uh, leave you can carry over from one year to another, but please do not plan the rest of the year, assuming there'll be a change. There probably won't be this year, even if there is in the future. So be very careful with proposals. You know, don't plan your life around that. If we don't know what the pay raise is for sure, if we don't know what the uh, changes might be to any of your rules. Please uh, be careful on that. Uh, are there any other pieces of legislation that uh, people need to be aware of as we our time's beginning to wrap up here? Anything you that our members should be aware of at this point? Well, um, we're we're today. We're just going to put out something on. Um, uh, I know that some people have been impacted by the payroll tax deferral, um, <laughs> and. Um, Senator Van Hollen is, is releasing a bill today that, uh, with a number of his colleagues, that would make it optional for all employees, and if, and uh, including federal employees, but not just federal employees. So um, we are NTU is supporting that bill and that effort, and we'll, it, um, you know, we'll see what we can keep doing on that one. Um, uh, I think you know we're really uh, we're still pushing for things in the COVID relief bills. I think there will be another one. I don't know that it'll be before the election. It sounds like talks have mostly broken down, but not completely. Um, so we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that. And and the House passed a, a slightly smaller version of one last week um, that you know to try to keep the momentum going um and it had some things in there that would be helpful for federal employees so we'll we'll keep pushing for those it didn't have everything we wanted either so you know we keep we keep <laughs> uh driving home that you know our folks um may not be losing their jobs because of this pandemic but they're working in in situations where they're you know a lot some are are exposed to um potentially exposed to to COVID-19 and 
And but all of us are working in, in just very different circumstances, whether it's in an office or in our own homes. So um, there's support that's needed for for all employees in that way, and we keep pushing for it. So those are some of the things we're we're working on right now. In addition to the funding, I know you know as we get into next year, we'll be pushing a lot to make sure we defend all the things that that we we've won over the years and continue to push to expand some of those things. Like you know last week, the paid parental leave went into effect. Um, that was a 20-year fight um, that NTU has been part of to to get that for federal employees and. You know, that's been great, but it's not the end because we were pushing for paid family leave to help with not just a new child, but also with, you know, if you need to take time to take care of a sick a sick uh, family member or even yourself. So we'll keep pushing on things like that as well going into next year and, and defending from, you know, potential uh, the never-ending uh, threats to cuts to benefits and things like that that we see come up every time they need to cut the budget. So... So we yeah. always have something on our plate. Yeah, and we've really not talked much about funding. If we had more time, we would. But, Duncan, we only have about a minute or two left. Uh, a final quick question and answer if you have one. I, I, I just uh, want to tell folks that the work that uh, Kat and her staff are doing is extremely important, and they're doing a great job of it. But get on that Legislative Action Center. Uh, it's It's so, so easy to send a letter talking about a pay raise, talking about the Social Security tax deferral, which you've heard me talk about ad nauseum on podcasts, um, things of that nature, to get that message to your congressperson or your or our senators. It's so easy to do, and, and it's very important to make our voices heard. Any final comments, Kata, based on what Duncan just said or just in general? No, I, I appreciate you guys having me, and I and I do appreciate all that all the members do when they do reach out to Congress and and keep telling us what you're hearing and and what you guys need there at IRS and and you know what you need as federal employees generally because we want to be able to to take that to the Hill and make sure that they're doing what they need to do to support and protect um, federal employees. So. If I can make, yeah, one quick one one quick comment before we wrap it up, and I I I think I I just need to say this. I cannot remember how many legislative conferences I went to, some like seven or eight over my career. And one thing I always thought about every time I mean, as hard as as the work was, and it was a long day when we were out there on on Capitol Hill. It was hard work. Don't get it wrong. But every time I was walking through those halls of Congress and talking to these people, you know, representing people who worked back in Indiana, trying to explain what the challenges are and and what people need, I just felt a a very special feeling being in that building, doing that work as a staffer. Did you feel that way, Kata? Yeah, all the time. It was Sometimes you'd forget and then you'd have to go into the Capitol building for something. You'd walk through and see this where you were and remind remind you what you're there for and what you're working for. And I think for most people that work there, they feel that way, which well, is it really does help make a lot of that work worth it. So um, and I think they really want to be working for um, most of them want to be there and working for the people. So they want to hear from you. 
Caddis Sibenga has been our guest. She is the leader of the Legislative Department for NTEU in Washington, D.C. She and her staff lobby the Congress on behalf of, of federal employees and on behalf of the members of NTEU. You also, uh, Duncan Giles, has also been with me, the chapter president for Chapter 49. I want to thank you for listening. We will not have a podcast next week. Uh, Duncan and I are just a little busy, so we'll be back in two weeks with our next podcast. So please be kind and be safe.